For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. Pitch free throws because they are free. Fisher Tosopoulos, DJ, Nikki, Snacks, Kreider, Tuesday, August 1st. That means today is... Final hours of trade deadline, gentlemen. Nick's team has made a move already as acquiring the ageless wonder Rich Hill and G-Man Choi from the Pittsburgh Pirates. We'll get more details as the show goes on there for what they gave up. I cannot imagine uh, it was it included Jackson Merrill or Ethan Salas. Uh, so there I think- is Jackson is in the trade. Jackson Wolf, though. Oh, okay. So one of the Jackson five is in the trade, but not just not Michael, which is I read a I read a tweet today. It said, Will AJ Preller get arrested for child trafficking when they trade Ethan Salas away? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. Because he's 17 uh, years old. <laughs> AJ Preller Epstein. Um uh out there. <laughs> Sorry. Uh but the Padres, look, at least you're five games out. You love to see them make that move. Uh, I know you guys touched on the Scherzer thing yesterday, but I wanted to throw my hat in the ring a little bit. I, I was really uh, obsessed with Toss, uh, what your team did, um, acquiring not only Max Scherzer, but going out and getting Jordan Montgomery as well, who's who's been pretty spot on for the Cardinals this season, one of the lone bright spots uh, on their pitching staff. And now, especially with Eovaldi out at the forearm strain, having Scherzer, having Montgomery, uh, and then you have John Gray. And then all of a sudden you can use guys like Martin Perez, Dane Dunning uh, in long relief roles once you do get to the playoffs because that's what it's looking like it's going to be for that team. You'll get Seager back. Uh, and if the Rangers are fully healthy, minus DeGrom, I think to me they're my AL favorite. Um, I really feel most confident in them getting the deal done, especially – I don't know. It, it depends. I will say devil's advocate to that point. It depends what version of Chapman we get. Do we get the Chapman that loves baseball and wants to come out and, and mow guys down one inning, three Ks, every pitch is a hundred miles per hour. Or do we get the lackadaisical uh, carefree, you know, all this Chapman that just comes in. If they lose the game, he just shrugs it off and goes home. Like yeah, it depends what tra- Chapman we get for me for the Rangers, but I, I really love the moves they've made. Um, and I kind of – I respect the Mets in some regard. They moved Mark Canada to the Brewers. They um, – such classic Brewers moves going on with him and Santana. And then they move, obviously, Scherzer to the Rangers. And I think as the hours go on, we'll see Justin Verlander get moved. Last night it looked like he would – there was going to be a Norwegian buyback to the Houston Astros. Things apparently have cooled down. They could obviously reignite. Nick, I think your Padres are in, but I think they're out now since they've acquired Rich Hill and G-Man Choi. And surprisingly, the Braves are in the mix for Justin Verlander. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't want Justin Verlander to let that be known and clear. Um, I don't understand why that was even something that was needed. I mean, we have the best starting ERA in all of baseball. It's not like a starter is really going to make a difference for us in extra innings. We're owing 10 in extra innings this season. You know, we can't really produce runs past the seventh inning. So I think what you really need is more bats, you know, someone that can fill the DH position. Um, we were interested in Eduardo Rodriguez. I think that's something a little bit more for the future. He does have an opt out after the season, but if you were to get him to opt in kind of like what Scherzer just had, um, that'd be something that'd be enticing for us. You know, he's a lefty and he's still pretty young, relatively 30 years old. Uh, but Verlander is kind of a head scratcher for me. I mean, I would want the Mets to eat significant money if that were the case. And then he's under, under contract for one more year after this. But, um, you know, I kind of have my eyes set on bats and relievers. So this Rich Hill, G-Man Choi trade, to me, kind of is a head scratcher. I mean, Rich Hill's, you know, not over the hill yet. I mean, he's got a sub five ERA right now. I mean, I guess that's serviceable for someone who can be your fifth or sixth starter or something yeah. when you need more depth. But G-Man Choi kind of just seems like a throw-in, like, friend for Hassan Kim. Someone for him to be able to finally connect with on the team. I mean, not that he doesn't connect with the players, but there is a pretty significant language barrier. He has a translator. Um, pretty cool that he gets to team up with a fellow Korean countryman and, you know, be happy. I mean, Hassan Kim is like right now probably, if not the most, second or third most valuable player on our team this season. I mean, leading the NL in war. Um, you know, he's he's been our leadoff hitter plays amazing defense, you know, has 14 home runs, over 20 stolen bases, you know, hitting almost 280. I mean, this guy has had a breakout season. I mean, I'm, I think he's going to be an all-star next season. So if it's something, you know, just to keep him happy, then I'm all for it. He's, he's our Korean king. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's definitely a, a interesting move to cater to him, but he has been pretty phenomenal. Um, you can make the argument. He's definitely been a top five player for your team. Uh, I'll go to the Cubs and the Rays uh, two maybe under the radar moves that they made this weekend. Uh, Aaron Savali, a uh, really nice pickup for the Rays. Uh, McClanahan's been injured. You obviously know that Glasnow's health has always been in question. Uh, Rasmussen Springs they've lost uh, for the year. And getting Savali from a Guardians team who continues to churn out pitchers at a ridiculous clip. Uh, Mackenzie Hurt, Bieber Hurt, they still have a couple guys that are, you know, pretty stellar young prospects uh, that can be frontline rotation guys. Um, the Rays getting Aaron Savali is a really is a really significant move, in my opinion, especially when you consider how much ahead of the pack they were in May and June and where they sit right now uh, on the 1st of August. They're no longer first in their division. Um, I would go as far as to say is that Bo Bichette is healthy. I know the, the Blue Jays lost Jordan Romano, but they picked up Jordan Hicks, another good deal from the Cardinals. Uh, if Bo Bichette is fine, that right knee soreness that he left with last night is just precautionary and it's nothing too serious and there's no real damage and he avoids an IL stint or at least is not hurt for too long. I think the Blue Jays could conceivably catch the Rays. Um and that's kind of where I sit with the whole AL. The Mariners sold uh, Seawald uh, to the D-backs, so close for them now, which the Diamondbacks are you know, going through closers like hors d'oeuvres um, down in Arizona. And I think the Mariners, and I think my Red Sox, I don't know if they'll make a move. I think it's a little late in the game for them to kind of do something. But I think some of those teams in the AL 
um, realize that they're not going to catch the Blue Jays, the Astros, or the Rays. Whereas the NL teams like the Padres and the Cubs go, yeah, and we may be three games back or five games back, but teams like the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, the Brewers, those are teams you could conceivably, the Giants, those are teams you could conceivably catch. Maybe not the Phillies. I think that Toss and I, Nick, we were all texting yesterday. And Toss and I were like, you know, let's just throw the, you know, some cash on the Phillies. Like it seems like a good value bet to win the World Series. Um, but I think if you're like the Padres and, and and the Cubs, like, all right, we could catch these teams. Where despite the Red Sox being pretty in it, I don't think that they can catch the Jays, the Astros, or the Rays, especially if the the Norwegian buyback does happen and Verlander goes back to Houston. Um, that it'd be it'd be a pretty interesting move, and I think the Mets are willing to eat more salary. I saw one of the I saw a show on TikTok that said they're just buying prospects, pretty much. They're eating the salary in order to get the better prospect. Uh, Luis Angelo Acuna Jr. Um, good pick please, up the Mets. Please get take the take Carpenter off our hands, and we'll give you a prospect. I mean, that guy <laughs> is better off cleaning the dugout at the end of the game than being on the field. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we'll definitely see Verlander moved. It's just a matter of where. Is it how much? Like, who who are the Orioles willing to give up? Um, who are the Astros? The Astros have enough to give up, really, because their their farm is a little depleted. So I think it's just a, a matter of where we'll see him end up. But I thought that was a pretty significant move. Uh, Seawald does a move I mentioned to the Diamondbacks. Uh, they obviously think that they're in the mix. And Candelario is a guy that you wanted, Nick, uh, for your pods at third base. Uh, he, he's had a really exceptional year for the Washington Nationals. And I thought that was a pretty good pickup for the Chicago Cubs, a team that we thought would be major sellers with Bellinger and Marcus Stroman. But I think they won up until yesterday. It was six, seven in a row. And now they're fully in the mix in, in a very thick NL wild card race. I will say though, that they're, they got Marcus Stroman, who was an NL Cy Young favorite has gotten blown up his past couple games. He's definitely, he's definitely, he's definitely, I, I, the one point I, I, I threw out the tweet from our account that Snell should be the same. I, I understand your point. However, like if you watch him, he's, he's almost better with runners on base like with traffic, they call him air traffic control on the broadcast. Like he like likes the pressure of like having someone on base and working from the stretch. Um, I don't necessarily think he's intentionally walking batters, but no, he's that type of pitcher that is like always going for the strikeout, which makes him a little erratic sometimes because he's not throwing as many pitches in the zone and he's trying to miss bats, right? He doesn't want, you know, players to make contact. So, I don't think it should be a knock on his game. I mean, if you're not allowing runs, if you're getting out of the jams every time, like I've seen so many times where he loads up the bases, no runs to show for it. I mean, at the end of the day, like you're, if you're winning ball games and you're not allowing runs, like it's the biggest, that's the biggest thing. Yes. I, he's been phenomenal. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. But there's been nine starts in a row where he's not made it to the seventh inning. And your biggest issue is your bullpen. Yeah, I mean, that's been he's his leaving game, career, though. But he's leaving game. Your best pitcher, and look, you, you can only ask a guy to do so much. He's been pretty, he's been spectacular. But my only knock on him is the team's biggest weakness is the bullpen. And you're the best pitcher, and you can't make it past the fifth inning because you're throwing 100 something pitches by inning five because you've walked five dudes. Yeah, you've struck out 10 guys, but you're walking guys left, right, front, and center, and you're eating your innings. 
Yeah, but at the end of the day, he's leading a category, and maybe it's not the category you want him to be leading in, but you just got to love that he's leading category. That's, you know, that's... He was leading multiple category. No, I'm saying he's leading, in the, he's leading in the walks category, which is which is not the category you want to be. I'm, I'm making a joke here. But yeah, I, I agree with Nick because if he's playing at a Cy Young caliber, like what more can you ask from him? Like, yes, like nobody's the perfect pitcher. Like nobody is the perfect pitcher. But you so, want him to go deeper into games. Like if, why is a team that has the best starter ERA three games under 500? That makes no sense. Makes no, and they have well, the NLE. Also, run support too. Like, yeah, like, but like, like it's you, not your bats are dormant. I mean, they're not dormant, but like, they've been historically bad past the seventh inning this season. As we mentioned before the show, they're zero and ten in extra inning games this season, right? I mean, that's not anything Snell can do. If Snell, you know, pitches you a one run game. And you get to the extra innings, like we're 0 and 10, you know, even if he makes it to the eighth inning, <laughs> if even he goes nine innings, like that's still extra innings. We're historically bad with runners in scoring position this season. I mean, our, our boy Danny Vietti put out a tweet last night after the terrible loss that we that we fought, fell to the, the Rockies about the Padres. And this is the season right now. Extra innings, 0 and 10, worst in baseball. One run games, six and 18 record, worst in baseball. Fangraph's clutch rating, which I don't really know how they accumulate that, but it's a negative 6.62, worst in baseball. Batting average runners in scoring position, 226, worst in baseball. Uh, 217 batting average in the seventh inning or later, worst in baseball. We're 10 and 16 versus current last place teams. Yeah, I mean, you got to beat the teams. I mean, you got to beat the, you have to beat the bad teams. That's how you get to the World Series. That's how you get to the playoffs. Like, you have to beat the teams. Like when the Red Sox won the World Series against the Dodgers in 2018, they crushed bad teams. They crushed bad teams. Like it's great that you can beat the good teams. Like they, it counts when you get to October. And in order to get to October, you have to beat the bad teams. And yes, I think that's an issue. Obviously, I again I put out the tweet that I think Snell should be the NL Cy Young favorite. I the only my only criticism is though you want your guys to go as deep into the games as possible, especially when you have bullpen issues, which they do. Nothing against their lineup. Like that's a separate issue, but they have the bullpen issues. That's my only knock on the guy. But he's been yeah, he's been spectacular. He's been the best pitcher as far as you know runs crossing the plate in baseball over the last month and a half. Yeah, bullpen's getting a little bit more deep though. I mean, we we added Robert Suarez back, and he was out for a lot of, a lot of the year. And you know, obviously we've got Hater, and there's some guys in there that are getting healthy. But I'd like to see them add another bullpen arm. Um, you know, maybe look to Kansas City. See if Scott Barlow's someone that is available, um, or Hernandez over there in Kansas City. I think those guys are, are pretty interesting. I don't mm-hmm. think Bednar is going to be a guy that we're going to go after. Obviously, we just made the trade with the Pirates and he wasn't included in there. And I think the asking price on that's going to be pretty high. Um, yeah, he's he was too, uh, his asking price is she's going to be extremely high. Uh, the Mariners, I think, are looking, uh, I think the Blue Jays are about to acquire Paul DeYoung, which is you mm-hmm. know which could spell a somewhat significant injury for Bobachet, or at least to get a stopgap like that uh, while he recovers from whatever it may be with his right knee. Yeah, it uh, looks like I'm not going to hit that uh, that that futures bet of him leading the league in hits this year. It's too tough. I mean, it's a really good bet. He's, he's been pretty great this year, but like you got this, it's Yeah, it, just when you think he's down, he, he, he 
rises once again. To the He's NBA. the first player since uh, Nomar Garcia Para to come into August hitting over 380. And I think Nomar's rise. batting average dropped. Nomar at, was hitting 394, but I think his batting average dropped significantly. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure his batting average dropped significantly. After. I mean, there's still so much time. Like, you still have two full months. Think about how much baseball we've talked and how much baseball we've seen this entire year. And you still have two full months left. Like, when the Braves won the World Series a couple of years ago, they were sub-500 at this time. Like, you kind of just got to get into the dance. Mm-hmm. Arias leads the league in hits now with Bichette second. Um I know we discussed Freddie Freeman potentially winning the MVP uh, for the NL if the Dodgers can take care of first place in the West. But I, I, as the days go on, on August 1st, and Acuna has 50 stolen bases to go with his 23 home runs, not to mention third in the league in hits. He quietly, outside of Shohei Otani, is putting in one of the greatest statistical seasons I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, we're a little spoiled this season, to be honest. We are. I, I mean, mean, we're going to see... We're going to see a guy who maybe hits over 380, a guy who hits over 30 home runs and steals 70 bases potentially, a guy who hits maybe 60 home runs and strikes over 200 batters all in the same season. Like, it's pretty absurd. Where's he at? Is he at 39 right now? I think so. I mean, he's got two months basically to hit a little over 20 home runs. Oh, it's very doable. It is doable. It's a tough task. He really has to. If anyone can do it, it's that guy. Oh, it's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the Acuna thing, I think 70 bases is, well, he only has to still 19 in two months. I'm curious if they start to run him a little less. I don't know, man. I mean, he's 25 years old. Like, now's the time to run him if he's running, you know, like, try to to get 70 steals. I mean, I think franchises i mean the good managers at least like want their players to to touch greatness right they want to solidify them in the the history books i think it's good for morale and i think it's good for a player's ego as well to you know try to build some confidence and if you can still 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 70 bags go for it mm-hmm. i mean it's it's 90 feet like it'll be fine honestly even closer now the, the bases are bigger and he's yeah. got the the protective glove, like they've got things in yeah, place. The, mitts. the hands, yeah. But yeah he wears he wears the mitt. So, I just, I just, oh, I'm just curious to see if they stop running him. As One uh, trade that we didn't really touch on um, yet was mm. the Syndergaard going to the Guardians um, <laughs> in exchange for who, who did the Dodgers get again? I'm in Rosario. Yeah, Rosario. Um, I just saw a tweet that said Thor if you joining told me the five- Guardians of Galaxy. No, I said if you would have told me five years ago that Noah Syndergaard would be pitching for the Guardians, I probably would have said, "Who the fuck are the Guardians?" <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, yeah. that's a really good tweet. Uh, both maybe Tossy should uh, get to yeah, the tour for sure. You put should, that up. You there. should get the your uh, your uh, Photoshop skills cooking. <laughs> uh, throw it. I'm throw sure. It. I'm sure someone's beat me to the punch there. But I haven't stoned. Hey, man. I haven't. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. Well, I, I think that that may have more to do with Cindergard kind of shedding the the Thor moniker because he has not been quite as quality as he used to be. He pitched um, well for in his debut for the Guardians. Six innings, zero strikeouts, scoreless innings. Isn't that crazy? That is that. Sometimes that, you gotta, you know, get ground balls, get pop ups. 
it's an, yeah, it's an incredibly tough feat. Um, but where do you guys think last last bets? Where do you think Verlander ends up? I think Baltimore. Mm. I think Baltimore is a good destination for him. You know, I think they're man, they could be the best team in baseball right now, and uh, he'd be a good veteran presence for a lot of young guys. And you know, they've got guys to move if if they really want to make a, a serious push. I mean, having a, a a true number one on that roster makes them very scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Yeah, that'd be frightening. He does have a no trade clause. I think he'd waive it for them. Yeah, I don't think he's the kind of guy that would be like, I'm not going to play in Baltimore. I don't think he cares. He's played yeah, like he did the enjoy. best team in baseball right now. Like, why not go and see if you can attach yourself on a on a playoff team that can win a ring? Yeah. 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 I mean, I I feel like the Norwegian buyback seems like the likely case for me. I know that. Astros, the Mets, the Mets, yeah, back to the Astros. I know the Mets weren't um, thrilled with the initial prospects that were in the deal, but if the Astros end up bringing Verlander back and Steve Cohen ends up paying the Astros to take him back, like they just look really smart, and it wouldn't shock me. And the Rangers have played too good this year for the Astros not to trade back for Justin Verlander and uh, potentially break my heart and, and sweep the division. Uh, sweep the leg under under the Rangers. We made our move. We Steve Cohen paid us thirty five million to take Scherzer, um, which glad to do. Thank you very much. We have plenty of prospects. Uh, even though White Langford had the most pathetic uh, at bat to kick off his minor league career, it was like a dribbler to the first baseman. Um, but actually, I think the pitcher might have gotten it. But it, yeah, I mean, I think that it just feels like. Why wouldn't he go back to to Houston? I because I don't I don't I I think Nick's right. I think the Orioles have the best package. I think he ha- the Braves are interesting. Honestly, I know it's in division, but the Mets are or not. The Rays. Yeah, I think it's gonna be the Braves, or the Orioles, or the Norwegian buyback. Uh, I just don't know if the Astros have the package for it. Like I don't know if they have the guys. I think the Mets. If Steve Cohn is taking on them at the same amount of salary or, or, or similar salary to what. He did for Scherzer. Look what you guys gave up. Like I know he's not Ronald Acuna, but Acuna's brother is still a top fifty prospect. Like, yeah, the Mets want to get that back for Verlander. I'd also I'd also throw in the mix a team that you know we're we're not really talking about that much that clearly makes these moves all the time in the Dodgers. Mm. You know, I mean, they, pitching has probably been their their biggest weakness this season, and it's like not even that big of a weakness, but like they did a similar thing with Scherzer when he was traded from the Nats. So be interesting to see if uh, you know they make a move for him. I mean, I guarantee he would waive his no trade clause for that. You know, Kate Upton probably loves LA. Yeah, I don't feel like any of the places that are like viable trade candidates are places where he would say, "Nah, I don't want to be traded here." I mean, the only thing I would say about Baltimore is that like Camden Yards is like such a brutal place to pitch. Like it's it's one of the like easiest places to hit a home run. So maybe he's thinking like, I don't really want to play there next season. Um. I mean, Tampa, I don't know. I mean, nothing's that special about Tampa, but I think he's in the stage of his career where it's like, he just wants to win. You know, it's like, I'm collecting my check. I'm getting paid. You know, that's all. I don't have to worry about that. Like, why? Like, let me just go see if I can win another ring somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, he's got two rings. He's got three Cy Youngs and an MVP and a rookie of the year and nine all-stars. He... Maybe not quietly, but he's jumped into that upper echelon of 
the guys that we talk about as the greats. Top 10. Greg, Greg that you've ever seen for sure. Will he be, finish right? with 3,000 strikeouts? He's at 3,200. So yes. oh, sorry, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's he's got two, <laughs> he's at two hundred and fifty wins. Yeah, I think, yeah. The, wins, I, I, think the, I think the quietly just comes from the fact that he got off to such a hot start in his career, and then you know there was a one, two, three, four, five, six year gap where he wasn't an all star, and I mean it's not like he wasn't a good pitcher. Then his last year, last two years in Detroit, he won sixteen games and then ten games, and then he gets to Houston and he kind of reinvents himself a little bit right and i think some of that had to do with shaking the monkey off his back a little bit and and getting the ring and getting it done but i think maybe that's like that's the only thing i can really credit to the the quietness of his career which of course was not quiet at all i don't know how he was an all-star in 2016 he finished second in cy young (laughs) and he led the league with 254 strikeouts like he probably had a great second half but like I feel like the all-stars, like when it comes to legacy, sometimes the, the all-star discussion sometimes can, can be a little bit cloudy. It's, it's a bit definitely misleading. With Pro Bowl, like Pro Bowl appearances, like who gives a shit, you know, like it's fan voting, but with all-star selections, not pitchers, position players, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fan favorite stuff, you know, like if you're a great player, that's just not on a big market team. Like you have a disadvantage, but there's a ton of snubs. And I think he's been, he was probably snubbed a couple times within that six year stretch. I want to say yeah. 2016 year and the 2017 year when he got traded to Houston because right. um, he finished fifth in Cy Young that year. Yeah. If you, Harper, did a re- if you did a redraft of the All Star games, like he's in both, both of those years, no question. I mean, the NBA, do, the NBA is do, a much better indicator of, of a true accolade, I would say. For sure. For, for All NBA. Baseball started to do that, though. Yeah, I was going to say, really they, make they, it need a to, thing. they need to put a more of a precedent on like the all MLB teams at the end of the season, kind of like all NFL all pros, you know, first team, yeah. second team. It can't just be a graphic. It has to be like a real monumental, like, hey, this is a milestone that counts. Uh, and I, 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 would, I do want to say like when Harper won the MVP a couple of years ago in Philly, he wasn't an all-star, which is crazy. The MVP of baseball wasn't an all-star. Uh, and, and sure, I think, sorry, Verlander, another point to his career. Obviously, everybody lost in the 2020 year. But after his first start, he tore his UCL. He needed Tommy John surgery late in his career, and he came back and won the Cy Young. But he lost two years there. And, you know, if you go to his average of 22, you know, he has 220 strikeouts. This is like 162-game average. Like, think about where he'd be on the all-time strikeout list it up right now you know that number goes to all of a sudden he's not at 3200 he's at 3600 potentially yeah and i mean potentially a little bit closer to the 300 wins i know that he's 50 wins away but like you know he's got one more season next year for sure Um, yeah 300 wins club is very exclusive Mm -hmm. he 300 wins club is it's almost impossible these days like it, you, we talked about your your guy, the NL Cy Young favorite, like all the games that you guys have blown, like, and you have no control over that. Like you could be leading in the sixth inning, but they pull you in the sixth inning because you don't, you know, there's such an emphasis in the bullpen these days. Guys don't go eight games, nine, you know, sorry, eight innings, nine innings. Like no one Ryan would like would pitch eight, nine innings every time out. Seaver eight, nine innings every time out, these legends. Um, so yeah. 300 wins is pretty ridiculous. Uh, but Scherzer, Verlander and Scherzer right now are 12 and 13 respectively on the all-time strikeout list. And wow. they'll 
they are both less than 100 strikeouts away from number 10, which is Greg Maddox. Hmm. Okay, Who? what about number nine, though? Because, you know, one of them is going to be 10. The other one can't get. That is Walter Johnson. Uh, Scherzer is less than 200 away. So he's 195 away. And Verlander is 230 away. So they have shots. They'll both, they'll, both they'll, both get get, they'll both get there, I think. Yeah. I mean, both these guys, like, you talk about Maddox, Pedro, Randy Johnson, Clemens as, like, your – I would say for us growing up, that's probably the Mount Rushmore. You know, and then you have your next tier of guys, Roy Holiday, um, throw him in the mix. Probably uh, Glavin, Smoltz. The Braves guys, Schilling, Sabathia, Sabathia. Now all of a sudden, in this you know day and age, like the next guys are Verlander and Scherzer, and I mean any day of the week and twice on Sunday. No offense to see Sabathia, I would take Verlander and Scherzer over Sabathia. I probably take yeah, Verlander. I mean, you, you just said it right, like they're twelfth and thirteenth in strikeouts. The only guys that are ahead of them that you mentioned are all Maddox, Maddox, Johnson. I'm talking about the guys that are irrelevant to us. Maddox, Johnson. And Clemens, they've already surpassed Pedro. They already yeah. passed him in strikeouts, you know? And I'm, I'm not going to tell you that they're better pitchers than him, but that is a massively important statistic, and, and they, 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 they trump him there. I would say that, that Verlander, like peak Pedro, like peak, peak Pedro when he has like a 170 ERA is like ridiculous. But especially, especially in that day and age, I mean, Johnson had four Cy Youngs in a row. Pedro had three of four and multiple years of the sub two ERA. I mean, one guy that we haven't mentioned is Kershaw and Kershaw at his best is with Verlander and Scherzer. Um, I did. Do we talk about now that we're just talking all time guys? Do we talk about what mad the Joey Votto thing with Mad Dog or do we know that was funny, though? I and I know. I mean, we've not been shy on Matt. I don't know how we feel about Mad Dog. Uh, Greggy's Hall of Fame prospects are interesting. I think he should be in. Um, but one guy that I think is going to have a tough time is Joey Votto. And do you know how many times Barry Bonds, the all-time home run king, has led the league at home runs? Uh, if you had to guess, twice, once. Yeah, great, great guess. Twice, twice, right? What's Joey Votto's best at? Walks. On base percentage. How many t- exactly? How many times has he led the league in on base percentage? Joey Votto? Seven times. Seven times. And one time where he didn't lead it, he had a 459 OBP and was second by 1.01. He has a career on base percentage of four uh, of 411. He 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 might be one of the greatest on guys to get on base of all time, especially of our generation. He's got six all stars, and I think like people are going to look at his hitting stats and be like, "Well, he's a first baseman without four hundred home runs, and he doesn't have three thousand hits. He only has two, you know, uh, two thousand one hundred and twelve. But as it stands right now, he'll obviously pick a few up. He should be a no doubt Hall of Famer. There are only in the top 100 
of career leaders of on-base percentage. There are only four active players. Can you guys guess who they are? Votto. Uh, career on-base percentage. The top 100, there are only four active players. Can you guess Soto. Yes, Juan Soto is the he's the highest of all the active players at Harper uh, 424, not Harper. Votto. So Votto. Yep. Juan Soto and there's two more he said. Mhm. Trout. Um, yes, Trout whose career on-base percentage is higher than Joey Votto's. Yeah, Trout's is marginally. A, I mean, we're talking about talking about two points there. But yeah, exactly. So we're talking about a guy that many people consider the greatest baseball player of all time, not named Shohei Otani at this point. And then add and five more seasons, like, add five more seasons to his career, and that's Joey Votto, and and subtract two points there, and then one other guy. This guy's under four hundred. The other guys are all over four hundred. Uh, Paul is he, Freddie Freeman. Really? No, he uh, he gets walked a lot, and he hits a lot of home runs. Arenado? No. Nah, was, he strikes out. Um, gets walked a lot and hits a lot of home runs. Alonzo? Nope. Other New York? Judge. Yeah. Yeah, but like, that's where Again, Soto's... He's, he's played eight seasons. Soto's played six seasons. Like, it's different with Votto and Trout. Like those Exactly. Thirteen seasons and seventeen seasons, respectively. I mean, it's just incredible that Juan Soto gets on base that often. It doesn't take anything away from what he and Aaron Judge are doing, but it just goes to show how tremendous Joey Votto has been as a baseball player, and specifically at what you're talking about, Josh, getting on base. Should be he, he's a no-brainer Hall of Famer to me. Like, should they? And I know I hate to like besmirch anyone else's career because Scott Rowland was pretty great and he's a Hall of Famer. Joey Votto is a better baseball player than Scott Rowland is. And in a day and age where, like, he's Votto is stuck with one team his whole time. He's not from Cincinnati. He's from – he could have easily been like, look, and there were talks about him being traded to Toronto. So, you know, Sam, the Paul DeYoung deal is official. He's going to the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty cheap deal, honestly. He's fine. He's, like, a decent player. But, like, that's – it's good. It's good insurance policy for – um for 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 the Blue Jays, if if Bobuchet really is hurt for a lengthy period, uh, let's go a little NFL. Speaking of trades, Jonathan Taylor requested a trade. Jim Irsay said some weird things about him dying or Taylor being out of the league and no one caring. Uh, a little bizarre out of him, but he also said that they're not trading Jonathan Taylor. Do you think Jonathan Taylor gets his wish and gets traded? And if so, what are the top three destinations for Jonathan Taylor? Well, they even talked about putting him on the non-football injury list mm. so they don't have to pay him if he doesn't want to play, um, which would be kind of low. But uh, I don't think it's going to happen because I, I kind of – I believe like if Ursay says something, then it's probably going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. he says they're going to hold on to them. But top destinations, got to look at the Chargers – I think a team that's always struggled in the run game, um, you know, they're they're looking to solidify the offense. And Eckler has expressed interest in wanting to be trading as traded as well because they weren't going to give him the contract he wants. So maybe do a swap for two guys who are unhappy. Um, I think you got to look at 
Buffalo. Um, I mean, I, I know that you got uh, James Cook there, but I mean, it's Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. And then maybe Minnesota. Yeah. That's what he threw up in the poll, Minnesota. I think I know they have Alexander Madison, who's been a, a very strong number two in Minnesota for a number of years now. But I truthfully believe that if Jonathan Taylor is available and Kirk Cousins' play action is his best, you know, trade as a quarterback, he runs it so well and is so successful there. I think going out and getting Jonathan Taylor could be paramount for the Minnesota Vikings to get over that hump. They're one of those teams that just get to the NFC Championship. They can't get over the hump. They can't get back to the Super. They can't get back to the Super Bowl. They haven't been to the Super Bowl in ages. So um, I think it's very important that if he is avail- available and the Colts do cave, that the Minnesota Vikings cash in. Like, what would you, what would you guys give up for him? Um, I mean, if it's like an Eckler thing. Like if it's if it's Chargers, maybe Eckler and like a third yeah, but I don't pick. think the Colts are gonna do that though. I don't think gonna... Okay, if you're the Vikings, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe a first because if you're the Vikings, you're considering that you're gonna be, you know, either winning that division or or close to it. Um, so you're probably not gonna have like a top ten pick. You're probably gonna have you know, you know, top fifteen to thirty pick. <laughs> um. So I think I'd be okay parting ways with the first. Mm-hmm. If you're certain that you can lock him up. Right. Right. Yeah. If you can't lock him up, no way I'm giving him first. You have him for one year. It's 4.3 million. It's actually, I mean, for his talent, I guess it's, it's not that much, but the thing is like, he just doesn't even have, in my opinion, the same type of leverage that even Dalvin cook has. Yeah, I mean, he's had one good season, really. Yeah, he's had one good season. I mean, if I'm him, and I think what's going to happen, and I agree with Nick, Jim Mercer says he's not going to trade him, he's not going to trade him. He was good as rookie. He was really good as rookie year. Yeah, but he wasn't, like, you know, best running back in the league like he was the second year. True, yeah. But, he, I mean, the second year, he was insane. I, I guess more importantly than, like, whether or not he was good his, his first two years is that, I think what I I imagine GMs and other owners in the NFL want to see him be good post injury before they'd be willing to give him the money that he's looking for. And I think that his play on the field this year is crucial to that number going up for him. Um, yeah. Because I think that while they, they will have the option to tag, like the market will dictate otherwise it might not be, you know, Saquon, level money it might not be the 11 million but he's going to get more than 4.3 million that's for sure so i yeah i just think he's in a he's in a bit of a tougher situation than a guy like saquon where he still has more work to do on the field to prove that he is as valuable as guys like saquon guys like christian mccaffrey guys like derrick henry um but i mean he could he could turn heads really quickly we saw Mm -hmm. what he did two years ago hopefully he does that again this year I, but i'm you know i'm i don't think he's gonna be bad this year i don't think he's gonna have a, a parallel to what he did this past year i think he'll take a step up and kind of be somewhere between what he was two years ago and what he was this past year yeah i look he, two years ago uh sorry three years ago in his rookie year he ran for like almost 1200 yards he had 18 he led the league with 1800 yards and 18 touchdowns his sophomore season and he had 300 something yards in the air too 
if you're the Vikings and he does really become a guy, like I'm with you guys, he probably won't be traded, especially with Zach Moss, their other running back in Indianapolis breaking his arm, being out four to six weeks. But if he is available and the Colts go, we're not winning this division. You know, we have to sell some parts and get some, you know, pieces for the future. Minnesota has to be the number one. They have to go for it. Like it, it, there has to be so much blood in the water if you're the Minnesota Vikings. You should be able to win the division and you should have a shot at winning, having the best record in the NFC. A chance. I think it'll be the Niners, probably the Eagles, but you really should have a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, take advantage of while we have question marks about Jordan Love and while the Lions were good last year, you know, they still have more football to play to prove to us that they are here to stick around for the next two, three years, right, with Dan Campbell. Mm. So I, I, I agree. There's definitely a window. Kirk Cousins isn't getting any younger. You know, he's, what, 34, 35 years old now at this point? Like, and he has always had at least a relatively competent um, either running back or stable of running backs behind him. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Madison can do. But, yeah, if, if Taylor is – if he's in the – you know, on the open market, he'll get moved quick. I just mm-hmm. – a first? I wouldn't give up a first for him. Probably a two. Is, yeah. Realistically, probably give up a two. Uh, we talked about on our Horns Up show, kind of sticking with football, switching gears a little bit, but Dion and Colorado are going to the Pac-12. I mean, sorry, big leaving the Pac-12 to go to the Big 12. Uh, pretty exciting. I think I think you'll see Utah maybe be the next team to go to the Big Twelve. Uh, you'll see the Pac twelve crumble, I think, like we discussed in Horns Up talking Texas. Uh, and I think that I think that Dion is gonna have an easier time. And I know USC or UCLA is leaving, but I think getting away from those teams, I think Dion's gonna have an easier time being back in the Big Twelve, where without Texas and OU, there's really no top dog on a consistent basis. There's just going to be a lot of rising and falling in the Big 12 once we leave. No team has a real target on its back. One year it could be Baylor or OK State or TCU like we just saw the past couple seasons. But I think if you want real success, getting out of the way in an NIL world uh, from USC, from an Oregon, from, from UCLA, uh, and now with Texas and OU leaving, he's going to have a shot to be the top dog there. Like I mean, look, there was a time where Colorado was Colorado. You know, and they were an excellent program and they were in the national, they were in the national spotlight and, you know, they would have been a playoff team or, and they were national champions, like in the nineties, like they, they have that history and that pedigree. Cordell Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. I also, Utah is a good, a good fit, a good choice. I think. And what I've read is that Arizona would be the pole probably before Utah. And, you know, that makes sense a lot just from a, Enrollment, endowment, notoriety standpoint, you know, who that university has been not only on the football field, but more importantly on the basketball court, um, baseball, it's just a bigger school. They've, they've got more pedigree when it comes down to college sports and the longevity of their program. Um, and it's a really, really exciting school. It's a fun school, obviously. And so for those games, the travel would be great. Arizona weather-wise, I think makes a lot of sense to play a lot of the Big 12 teams. Mm. Um, proximity to, I mean, not that Utah's that much further, but um, yeah, I could I could see Arizona happening before Utah. 
Yeah. And I think from you bring up basketball, you know, we, one of the reasons we were sad to leave the big 12 is how good the basketball is. Um, it's the best, it's the best basketball conference in our opinion. You know, it is, but I mean, a lot of that's because us and OU as well. I mean, yeah, 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 for sure. We make it and we're going to make sec basketball all that much better. I mean, they're already good. Kentucky, Arkansas, you know, Bama has been great. Tennessee. Tennessee with Barnes, Bruce Pearl with Auburn, like yep. SEC basketball has grown significantly as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, fl- Florida is always in the mix. Like they've they've had a, some serious runs. Um, yeah, yeah, SEC basketball is great, but I think that you're right. We do make Big Twelve basketball great, especially the past couple seasons we've been competitive. Um, and OU is we've seen some great OU teams as well. Uh, and West Virginia has also been to that mix as well, and they're gone. Yeah. So I, I, I think that uh, I think that adding Arizona from a basketball standpoint with Arizona, Kansas, Baylor, like Scott Drew, like those are some serious those are some serious hoops teams. And I think yeah. they salvage uh, and maybe even get a little bit better, I hate to say, uh, from a basketball standpoint. If they do add Arizona. Which we yeah. think. I know football's king, but hey. There is a queen, and she does have a pretty fun dance that she's in charge of in March that that turns everyone's heads and eyes. Masquerade. Um, it is a masquerade. Um, yeah, so definitely very interesting over there uh, on the college football front. Um, for our horns, we find out if we get Colin Simmons today, I believe, in a couple hours, which is pretty exciting. Um, and then our U.S. Women's Yeah, it's not looking good. But I think our U.S. Women's National Team – we escape the group stages. Give them a sh- as the as the second seed, yeah, from our from our group, the Netherlands. They really put it to uh, the Vietnamese women, and look like a real juggernaut. Yeah, I think that some of the narrative, though, I will say for the U.S. women's national team before we wrap up, they've been they've been pretty spectacular over the last decade. So even if they don't get it done, and I know they're and I know it's a great mentality championship or bust. I don't think everything should be for not like all they've accomplished. If they don't no, get the threat at all. I just think the expectations are so high as you've won two in a row, you know, you're always chasing the three Pete. That's really yeah. solidifying yourself as the best of the best, but now I'm with you. A lot of these, a lot of these women have been able to have success on and off the field. I mean, they're, they're superstars and they, they uh, are role models for a lot of young ladies out there in our country, and I think they they do their job really well. But you know, only happens every four years, so we don't want to yeah. wait till the next four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Megan Rapinoe's still on this team. You know, she would have been a part of the three peat if they did get it done this year, and that just goes to show like four years between every World Cup is a lot of time. A lot can happen. A lot will happen between now and the next World Cup. A lot of the young players that are on the team right now will develop, get much better as soccer players. And, uh, you know, the team I expect will be even better four years from now. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see if they can make history and get the three-peat. But rooting for them. The Portuguese women uh, put up a really, really good fight last night at midnight. That's the tough thing about these World Cups. When they're in locations like Australia and New Zealand, sometimes you get midnight West Coast games but three Eastern is when that game kicked off this morning on the East coast, which is just absolutely brutal. And, you know, you, you want as many of your fans to be able to watch the game as possible. And when it's a team like 
the United States playing, who has won the last two World Cups, you'd hope that they would schedule some of those games um, in in a more you know doable time. But that's just the way that it goes. Different places all across the world. Tell that to the Joker fans that had to watch Nikola Jokic, you know, at 4 a.m. win the um, hey. NBA Finals with the with the Denver Nuggets this year. And when I was I was studying abroad, when the when LeBron the block heard around the world, I was in Florence watching at 2 a.m. If you if you love it, you'll you'll find it and you'll watch it. So yeah, it, it's it's tough, but I'm sure we have a lot of amazing fans showing out. All right, fellas, see you guys tomorrow. We'll talk the finals of MLB trade deadline as the dust settles. Where will Verlander go? Will the Tigers sell Lorenzen and Erod? What will happen come August second? Hit your free throws. We out ya. We love ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.